Welcome back, everyone, for another week. Again, welcome to all the new listeners. Uh, we're learning this week is dedicated to Eloy Nishmas, Yaakov Lucy Maya, and Rina D, our full sponsors for the year, Naomi and Yitzi Hallander, a complete refuel for all Cholim, Michelle and Gary Friedman, in memory of Hannah Malka, Bat David, and Rufu Shlema for Rachel, Meryl Hinda, Bat Miriam Rifka, our half-year sponsor, Rufu Shlema for Menucha Tova, Bat Shoshana Chava Devora, our Spotify sponsor, Rufu Shlema for all those injured in Eretz Yisrael, continued tefillos that all of the hostages should be returned and all of Chayal Yitzal should be kept safe. For all those in need. It's a two part this week. We're not going to be able to finish all of Perek Dalid. I just feel that there's too much to cover, and I'd like to give a little bit more attention to the last few psukim. And so we're going to spend time on the first 18 psukim, and then we're going to leave the rest for next week. And next week, Parake is a little bit shorter. So between the two of them, we'll make it work. I have to tell you that uh, sometimes in life, you read a footnote, and you just say to yourself, wow, I was actually thinking that also... But the difference is that I am a regular person. And the person writing this is a scholarly person, a Talmud Chacham, a Rosh Hashiva, and he wrote this also. So probably close to 10 years ago, eight years ago, something like that, when I saw this footnote for the very first time in Rav Amnon Bazak's commentary on Shmuel Aleph, I actually was blown away. But I think that there's a lot to it. And so I start off with this footnote. Recently, Steven Spielberg, okay, not so recently because this movie came out a, a long time ago, but recently Steven Spielberg expressed this idea in his famous film Raiders of the Lost Ark in which the Nazis try to put their hands on the Ark of the Covenant, believing that its capture would assist them in their wars. Many details in that film appear to be based on our chapter and the upcoming chapters and the biblical account of Shiloh's destruction undoubtedly served as its inspiration. The picture over here is a uh, a screenshot on from Google of the scene at the end of the movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when they open up the Aron, and what happens? What happens is that the absolute destruction of everyone there. Okay, if you choose to watch the movie again to do a little bit of Chazara, if you've watched them, if you've never watched the movie and you choose to watch it for the first time. I'm not telling you you should or shouldn't do. But the movie itself is 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 inspired through our Perek. And so it's kind of worth it if you're a child of my era or before to sort of keep that on the back burner as we read Perek Dalit of Shmuel Aleph. The Perek starts off, Aidvar Shmuel Ochol Yisrael, and Shmuel's words were coming to all of Yisrael. So interestingly, if you went back to last week's parak, the very end of pa- of parak Gimel, you'll see that actually the milam the milamancha that seems to come out is davar, the the word of God, the word of God that at the beginning of parak Gimel was yakar. We didn't have it. We didn't know. People didn't know who God was. People didn't know of God's word. People didn't know of the concept of anavi. It didn't exist. Nevuah is back. 
And therefore, Pasuk Aleph of Perek Dalet starts off, The word of God came to Shmuel. And everybody knew about it. People knew that Shmuel was a Navi. It's so important because I'm going to ruin the Perek for everyone by telling you that the person that's absent in Perek Dalet, the one person that potentially could help the Jewish people in this moment of disaster, and Perak Dalit is a disaster, is Shmuel. And yet Shmuel is absent. His words are silenced. The Jewish people go out towards the Plishtim to battle, they are in Evan Ha'ezer and the Plishtim are in Bafek. It's it's one of those fascinating things that you see back then is that war was, you had a camp and you had a camp and then they just went out each after each other. I remember as a, as a, as a kid in elementary school, I think it was in sixth grade maybe, the first time we learned about the Revolutionary War. And I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that they just ran at each other. The, the Civil War... Thing, Pickett's charge that just by Gettysburg, just you run at each other and they're like stabbing each other. Like, why would anybody want to do that? But that was what ancient war was. It's not war of today, which is fought with drones and airplanes and stuff like that. But it was, you couldn't attack the person unless you were in their Dalaramo. But you had your main base. So the Jews are based in Evan Ha'ezer and the Plishtim are not fake. Tell a fake. Is something that you could actually see today. We'll see a picture of it in a little bit. But the Jews are in in uh, Evan Ezer and the Plishtim are not fake. Now Radak suggests the following. He says, He says, Why is Shmuel at the beginning of the Pasuk? Why do I need to know that? What is the the addition of those words? He says, Shmuel tells him, go out to battle. You should go out and you should lose. Because you deserve to lose. It's your punishment. And we see the same thing by Giva, where they're told to go out to, to, to battle, even though they're going to lose. And even though they're going to be massacred. That's a hard sell to me. To, to think that the Jewish people heard, I want you to go to war. You're going to lose. Why? Why would you do that? Don't go out to war and lose. Rather, go out to war and, and, and send out a delegation. We're holding up a white flag. We know we're going to lose, so we don't want to go out and lose and, and people will die. Rashi gives a different shot. And I think to me, this is so much more simple and so much more pshat. Remember, Shmuel had nevuah. What was his nevuah? that the words of God would ring and burn in people's ears. That was his nevuah. It happens right now. Shmuel prophesied that something bad was going to happen. And now, ah, here it is. The fact that the Jews go out to war and they lose. And they lose badly. Now, let's just take a look at the map for a moment on the left side. Yes, my dear friend who follows along on Spotify only, this is for you. The map is really nice, but you'll have to picture it in your head. What's going on here? 
you have this amazing situation. The the plishtim, if you take a look at that circle, that is where the plishtim are supposed to be. Now, I didn't put in the current day, but probably right around the green over here is where Beit Shemesh is. We know from the times of Shimshon that they had encroached beyond their land and had come over here. But now they're by Afeik. Rabbi Alex Sinzel points out that Afeik is by Nachal Nachal Yarkon, I believe, but I could be wrong. That's over there. That is the new border for the Plishtim. The Plishtim have taken over a lot more land than before. Now, the only other significant place in our story today is Shiloh. Why Shiloh? Because Shiloh is where the Aron is stored. And that's going to play in in just a moment. So what happens? Pasuk bet vayachu plishtim l'kra milchama v'titosha milchama v'inagev yusel t'nei plishtim vayachu b'marcha pasadek arbat alafimish. Round one is won by the plishtim and they kill 4,000 Jews. Round one is lost. Vayavoha am elamachaneh. The Jews come back to their machaneh. Where? They come to Evan Ezer. What happens in Evan Ezer? In Evan Ezer, they, they lick their wounds. Why did we lose? That's what they want to know. Why did we lose? On the left is a picture of Tel Afeik from the sky. An aerial photo. That is Tel Afeik. That's where the Plishtim were. Perhaps... So on the list of things to research, if it is A, a place that you can actually see and, and visit, and whether there's what to see now in 2024. And of course, the other question that we always have to ask with these places, are we find them? Are they safe to visit? But Amir Tzashem, I hope that in January of 2026, when we get there, there will be a lot of places that are much safer uh, to see that we might not be able to see um, Hayom. Okay, so what happens? They say, why did we lose? Why? Why? Why did God beat, destroy us? Say, why? 4,000 people. But they don't wait for an answer. And they don't even ask the, the question really to anybody. This Canaan ponder the question and they say, ah, I know. Let's go back to Shiloh and take the Aron. Let's bring it. And hopefully, if we have the Aron in our midst, we will be able to win. Those of you that are Raiders of the Lost Ark fans, and this will probably be the last reference to it for a very long time, but you could, you could begin to see what Spielberg was saying. I know whoever would have thought Spielberg would be one of the Achronim that we would look at. But the idea throughout the ages was that the Aron was this mystical weapon. He who controlled the ark, he who had the aron in his hands, would win the war. So they said, but we have it. It is a powerful weapon, a really strong tool. With it, we cannot lose. Let's bring it out to battle. Why did we lose? It seems as though they're saying we lost because we didn't have the aron. But with the aron, we can't lose. Listen to the Abarbanel. The Abarbanel asks the question, and if you have time, it's worth looking at the Abarbanel 
on Pasuk Dalid because he goes in he goes in depth. I just pulled out a couple kernels from each one. A Bible says there are five reasons why the Jews lose. The simple answer. The most obvious answer is why do the Jews lose? They don't say this. They don't acknowledge it. They're not willing to recognize this. But the reason that they lost is because they sin. They're big sinners. And that's what happens. God says, do good, you win. Do bad, you lose. It's a hard one. That's a hard theological one to, to deal with. And, and someone actually asked me this this morning, just before recording. They said, why? Well, I understand. Why are we losing? Why are more people going to go into Gaza? Why are more people going to be lost? Why? 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 And that is a theological question that we struggle with. And there are times where Claudius is doing all the right things. And we say, I don't understand. We're doing all the right things. Why are we losing? Why are people dying? I don't know the answer to that question. And that's a question that becomes a question that's much bigger than us. And perhaps just to go off on a tangent for just a moment, Rabbi Foreman, Rabbi David Foreman has a great answer to that question in a sheer entitled, Where's Parker? Parker is the, in, the creator of many of the board games we play. He says, imagine you're, you're, you're playing a game of Monopoly and the pieces are going around the board. And as the pieces are going around the board, one of them, maybe the car turns to the hat and says, do you believe in Parker? Parker, the creator of the game. Do you believe in Parker? Of course, they don't know Parker. They don't understand that. His name is maybe signed on the board. But the problem is that we are those pieces. We go around the board, the board of the world, and we say to ourselves, I don't know, why? Why is this happening? How could this be happening? And the answer is, because I believe, not in Parker, but I believe in God. And so God has a reason. God has a calculation. And I have no idea what it is. But I can't say to myself that because bad things happen to good people, all these do all the right things. I can't say that's a reason I don't believe. It's just that Parker is the inventor. God is the creator. And he is so much bigger and so much loftier than I could ever be. And so the answer is, I just don't know. But Barbanel says the first simple answer is, the Jews sinned. They deserve it. The Aron was in the hands of Eli sons. Eli sons are sinners. The Mida Kenegad Mida is that the Aron Alukim goes from their hands to the hands of the Plishtim. Those people, those wicked, evil people that live along the coast. I said to, I said to my wife that I find these Prakim to be so much more, not, rela- not only relatable, but so much more impactful. While, we, while we're seeing the events of today, I feel some consolation from some of the events of Shmuel was not feeling that when we were learning Shoftim. 
I think the end words, those last three words should probably be bolded, underlined, highlighted, different colors. What they did was they didn't act. They didn't ask God. That's number three. The truth is that the people never ask God for forgiveness. They never come back to God and say, God, you know what? We totally, totally messed up here. Can you forgive us? No. They felt that the Aron was a, somewhat of a, a charm. We're going to see next week at the beginning, when we compare this story to another story in Tanakh, that also sometimes people believe in these all-powerful mystical creations that will win the war. They thought the Aron would do it. It's not true. It's God. Fifth reason is, and this is, we'll have to look at Perak Hey much more carefully, is what God wanted the people to know is that the Aron Hashem is this unbelievably powerful object and you do not start with it. They turned it into just another thing. God says, I'm going to show everyone. You want to see what the Aron is? Aron is otherworldly. And so the question really that they that they were struggling with is why? Why did they why did they lose? Four thousand people died. They couldn't understand it. They bring the Aron. And who's with the Aron? It's the two two sons of Eli, Chafni and Pinchas. Rabbi Zach says the, uh, the, the, the irony is that they failed to see it. The holiest ark that you're talking about, the secret weapon, who is it guarded by? It's guarded by the sons of Chafni, the sons of Eli, Chafni and Pinchas, who are sinners. That is the take of Rabbi Zak. V'sham shnei b'nei Eli. Metzuda David says, Heim nasu Aron. How does the Aron get out to battle? It is carried by none other than Chafni and Pinchas. Pasakei. They bring the Aron out, and the Jewish people cry out, they call out, and there is a, a, a massive cheer, and the land shakes. So it sounds a little bit familiar. I hope that this slide, for those of you that have been with us since the beginning, is a familiar one. Paragvav of Sefer Yoshua. The Aron goes out another time to battle. Where? Yericho. What happens? There's Truah. There's calling out. There's crying out. There's this massive noise. There also. What happens? When that happens, the land shakes and the people. The people are taken aback. Which people? Yericho. The Plishtim hear it. And they're scared. What is the source of this noise? 
Why are the Jewish people who just lost 4,000 people, why are they working themselves into a frenzy? They found out that the the the, the Aron Hashem comes to the Machane. And when they hear that, when they see that, they said, what is going to be for us? I don't know. How are we going to be able to handle this? This is not what we fought against yesterday and the day before. Who is going to save us from this God? They say, we know this. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God of Mitzrayim. This is the God that defeated the, 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 the Egyptians and hit them with Makkah after Makkah after Makkah. Yes, without the Aron, of course, because the Aron hadn't been created yet. It hadn't been built yet. The Plishtim are rightfully scared. They, there's a justification for them to be terrified here. The story sounds the same as Yehoshua at Yericho. But before we read Pasuk Tet, I want to share with you an idea because I think that this idea should show us that while these are same, the two stories are the same, there is a critical difference. What is the critical difference? Says the Dat Nikra, the, the, the fighters come back. They come back to Evan Ezer to their base. And who do they talk to? It's the Ziknei Yisel. They're the judges. And these people, what was their job? Their job was to get the people through the day-to-day battle. What is going on? How do we manage? These are the Shoftim. Because Eli was old. Because Eli was weak. Eli was sick. Eli couldn't see. All of these things we're going to see in just a moment. The Am was ruled. The Am was led by this Kenim. There's a big difference between this story. I love this graphic. We might have used this graphic once before. Who is the leader? All these men are looking. Who is the leader? So now at best it sees the Canaan. But maybe it's worse than that. Because who's leading them? Who's holding the Aron? It's Chafni and Pinchas. It's not that it's that they don't have leaders. It's not that they have weak leaders. It's not that they have substitute leaders. They have bad leaders. That is Perek. Dalit, critical difference between Perek Vav and Sefer Yoshua. But there is another difference. And I think that this difference is also pretty big. And that is, if you read Pasuk Tet, you see that the Plishtim get it. The Jews don't. They're like, we've got the Aaron, we can't lose. But they say, be men, be strong, we could win this. You want to worship, you want to be enslaved by the Ivrim, like they, like they are in like they were enslaved by us. Be men, and you will win the battle. Perkei says, "B'makom she'ein ish, kishtadel liot ish." 
they're told, yes, this is scary. Yes, it is frightening. Yes, they have the Aron. But unlike, unlike Raiders of the Lost Ark, it is not a magical, mystical power. It's not that you open up the Aron and some light comes out and destroys everyone but Indiana Jones. It's not like that. But you could win. Why? Because the Aron is just the Aron. It's not going to win the war. God will win the war. But God will only win the war if he chooses. We have to be strong. We could win. Unfortunately, it is a slaughter. And the the price is very steep. 30,000 men die. The Barbanel says, Zachar shekasher b'nei Eli lo yaru at Hashem lo kavdu otach kach lo lo kavdu oto kach lo azram lo ayimahem. It's like this: if you don't respect the Aron, if you don't acknowledge what the Aron is, it won't do anything for you. The b'nei Eli, Chafni, and Pinchas had no respect for the Aron, and so they lost. The Plishtim say, we acknowledge that the Aron is there. We acknowledge that the Aron is strong. We acknowledge that the Aron has value. We acknowledge all of that. God says, you respected the Aron. You therefore will win. There's a sharp increase in their success. They won 4,000 men. That's a big deal. It's a lot of Jews to be lost. But day two is not 4,000, but 30,000. More than seven times greater is their victory. This was all predicted. Elkanah the Navi or some other Navi comes to Eli and tells him they're going to lose. And his sons will die. And Shmuel says the same thing. This is very much, we would think, the destructive battle that had been predicted. Let's take a look at Pasuk Yod. Uh, I'm sorry, Yod Aleph. They die. The Aaron is captured. 30,000 Jews die. It's terrible. His madim are ripped. His, his uniform is ripped. He's got dirt on his head. Either he has dirt on his head because he's running. He's been running straight along the highway coming from a fake all the way back to Shiloh probably about 25 kilometers so it's a good uh it's a good run what's going on here or it's it's a Vegas. that's why he has Adamal Rosho who is this guy Marikra and others say that Midrash Shaul it's Shaul listen to what the Marikra says Shechatafet Galyat Galyat when they captured 
the Aron, Goliath opens up the Aron, takes out the Luchot. It is Shaul that grabs them from him and runs away. Ubarachlo. And he comes back. He's in the Mishkan by a lookout point. And he's watching and waiting and wants to know why. He's afraid of the Aron, of what happened to it. But a man came to this city. This man. Who's this man? Shaul. This runner. This man from Binyamin. And the whole city is screaming. There is an amazing article in places in the parish by Dr. Elit Sur. I had the opportunity. It was really, really special. I had the opportunity to learn a little bit of that piece together on the first trip on our day in Shiloh with Arki, the tour guide. And the question is, what happens? He's afraid. But what does he hear? Vaishma Elia Kolatseaka. Eli hears the cries before he sees the guy. Why? Vayomer, and he says, Me What is this noise? What is this screaming? And the person rushes and comes and tells Eli, Watch this. This is amazing. Where is everyone in this story? It's sad, but it is where archaeology has what to offer to us that the psuk can make it hard to see. This over here is a picture from the uh, from from some website that has a, a an idea a, a map today of what it looks like. This is the archaeological work. I love Shiloh. I love Shiloh. It's one of my favorite places. Belined there is tops on our list of places to go in Yerts Hashem in 2026. What happens? This is the road. If you're driving nowadays and you're passing Shiloh and you want to go past Shiloh north to see Shechem, this is what you're going to do. You're going to pass along that road. The road is north-south, which means that this piece over here is built east-west. That is very, very important. What's amazing is they found this place and there's nothing underneath it. This over here is the city of Shiloh. It is a tell with rich, rich in many, 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 many centuries and and, and societies. You can see we have Byzantine, we have Kanani, we have all of that. But that piece over there, for some reason, there's nothing there. And the dimensions of it actually fit perfectly to what the Mishkan should have been. Okay, amazing. Where is Eli? Eli is in the Mishkan. Where's the runner? The runner is running on the road. If you look, the road cuts out and then it cuts back in. Where it says Byzantine Church is where he would come in and run that way. Somewhere, somewhere, I'm pointing to the screen realizing that my finger doesn't do anything, but somewhere along between where it says Byzantine Runes and Oil Press is where he would come in and that is the start of the city gate. There is actually a wall there, a gate that you can see. It is the entrance into ancient Shiloh. He comes in there and he tells the people that the Jews have lost. The Aron has been captured. Thousands have been slaughtered. 
the people hear him and they cry out. But Ailey's not with them. Ailey can't see from where he is. He can't see the runner coming. Or Although actually, I'm sorry, he can. I, I, I apologize. He can see it. He was with the mitzapet. He sees the road. But the pe- the mitzapet and he will know that this guy from Ish Binyamin is coming in. But they don't know what he has to say because first they have to go through the city. They come to the city and they tell the people, Eli's not stupid. Eli hears the crying and he knows there's good crying and there's bad crying. This is not good crying. This is bad crying. It's the cries of defeat. And eventually he makes it, the Ish Binyamin makes it all the way to Eli. And he tells Eli what happened. The Eli Ben Tishim Shana. Eli is nine Shana. Eli is 98 years old. They nav wrote, and he can't see anymore. Why? Because he's old. And Vayomer Eli I am the one I survived. I came back. nasty. I was there and I ran away. Hayom. Vayomer Son, tell me what happened. What is interesting is at this point, Eli has a sense of what's going on. And he's terrified. That's why he's sitting there by the Mishkan looking out to see what's happening. The Jews have fallen. The Jews have run away. And there was a terrible slaughter. And your two sons have died. The Aron was taken. To the Mivaser, to Shaul, what sounds like what makes the most sense is to tell you the Jews have lost. The Jews have died. Among those that have died are who? It's your sons, Chafni and Pinchas. Eli, what a tragedy. How could it be? And yet what happens? He says at the end, and of course the Aron was taken. What a tragedy. What a loss. How could it be? Pasuk Yudchet. Last Pasuk that we're going to learn today. When he hears that the Aron was taken. He falls backwards on his seat. He falls backwards in his seat. Sorry that I'm choked up. His neck breaks. He dies. Because he's old. And he's overweight. And he falls. And his weight kills him. It breaks his neck. He judged the Jewish people for 40 years. It's the end of our Perek for now. We'll pick up with this again next time. But the question is, what bothers Ailey? And is it to his credit or a critique? Rev. Alex Israel has a beautiful explanation and says, listen, you know what? This is amazing. He, li- he is the last of the Shoftim. And when he dies, the book of Shoftim is officially closed. What was it that we critiqued the Jewish people of the entire times of the Shoftim? We knocked them and said, hey, do you care 
about what is national. No, you only care what's local. You only care about what's personal. He says, listen, we're talking about a situation. We're talking about a story of the Aron Alukim being conquered, but yet Eli's sons died. What should hit him? What should hit him hard is that the Aron, that the that his sons were killed it's personally. And yet, as if Alex says, oh, no, you know what bothers him? Bothers him is that the Aron was captured. That's why he dies. That's when he has like that moment where he falls off his chair. It's powerful. It seems to be that even though Ailey is a flawed character, the one thing he fixes in the end is Baruch Hashem. A leader finally cares about something that's bigger than his own Dalin Amu. He cares about something bigger, something more important. And that is the loss of the Aron. That's of Alex's pshat. Rav Amnon Bezak. Rav Amnon Bezak says the opposite. He says, no. He says, what a waste. The Jews die. So many people are hurt. And yet, what is it that bothers him? This external sign. The Aron. That's what takes him in. Yes, it's terrible that the Aron died. But what's so much more tragic is that 30,000 people died. The Aron is a symbol, a holy symbol, an important symbol. But the crisis is the loss of Jewish life. That's as Rav Amnon Bazak is what's wrong. And he takes that as a tremendous critique. A tremendous critique on Ailey. The parak is heartbreaking. And it will get a little bit worse next week when we take a look at the next part. But I will just add that, se- that by saying... There is a silver lining in all this. Because Shmuel was not consulted, but Shmuel is there. And it won't take that long for Shmuel to turn all the people around. Thank you once again for joining us. Have a wonderful week and keep walking in the ways of the prophet.